I'm here with uh, Dr. Alison Fixon from the University of Westminster, who's just given a talk here at the Arts on Prescription conference, um, all about a scoping study recently completed, which maps out the actual and potential outcomes of social prescribing. So, Alison, this is thinking about social prescribing way beyond the kind of health domain yes. um, and thinking really broadly about the social determinants and all the kinds of outcomes that this work might have. So just tell us a bit about this, this project. So the project was funded by the Big Lottery and the, um, the idea for the project, which was actually um, the brainchild of Dr Marie Polly, um, I was part of the research team, the qualitative research, and I did the analysis of the interviews and, and helped with the table. Um, so... The, the idea was that um, what had been done so far had been, only, had been mostly based on looking, using sort of patient outcomes measures rather than looking at people as citizens in the real world with all sorts of other things happening in their lives where, where there are health inequalities and, and, many, and, and social um, and economic inequalities all interlinked together. So what Marie was trying to do was um, to look at the gaps that exist in the outcome measures, the existing outcome measures, and have a different way of looking for evidence, a more innovative way of looking for evidence that would include all the different outcomes in people's lives. And how did you go about doing that? So how we went about doing that was it was a phased study, so to start with, there was a, an extensive literature search that went on of all the databases, which gathered together all the outcomes which had been mentioned in the literature in association with social prescribing. That was then put into a table form, which was uh, presented to people either in individual interviews or in focus group interviews. They would after a conversation and background, they would then look at the table and then they would uh, comment on the table and what they felt was relevant and less relevant. And also they could add to the table and it's what they added that was most important. So in a way they were rating those outcomes and saying this one, oh, I think that one's more important than that one. But they were also adding from their own experiences and also talking about their own uh, and I say, because it, it, actually the interviews were much wider than just sort of ticking a table. There was conversations about all these different things, all the different outcomes. I'm interested in the scope of that review, because I guess one of the issues that we have, I saw a really interesting tweet from a mental health occupational therapist while you were doing your talk, yes. saying, you know, all this social prescribing stuff, we've been doing this for decades. Yes. I mean, it's just a new name for something that we've been doing for a yes. while. So how did you kind of decide how to search for stuff in that literature review? Okay, well, that's an interesting thing. Um, with the literature review, I have to be honest, I wasn't actually directly involved at that point. But I do know that Marie and those of us who work in social prescribing are aware that different terminology is used for what is essentially a model, an approach. And there's, you know, there's, the, the actual term social prescribing is quite controversial. There are people feel that it's too medical, it's following a medical model. That, as you say, there have been these existing services. What social prescribing has that is different is this idea of a link worker. And the link worker, uh, so I think there would only be really, she'd be particularly focusing on schemes where there was a link worker in place, but not 
always, because there are certainly there were certain people like uh, the paramedic who was interviewed, who actually they had a scheme where, to some extent, they were almost working like link workers themselves. They were actually referring people on to services. So we took a broad view of social prescribing, but you have to give it a name at some point. And in that broad view, you had lots of examples of kind of non-medical. So, you know, you were talking about people with, um, you know, going through all sorts of inequalities, issues with welfare and benefits, um, social issues, um, traumatic history, all kinds of backgrounds. And, and social prescribing is a really useful approach for those sorts of people. Say something about that for us. It's potentially a very useful approach. I think it's something that needs more investigation because at, at yet, as yet, we really don't know which, which people will benefit from which approaches and how social prescribing needs to be modelled to fit with people in with um, particular areas and particular needs. So, but you're, I think you're absolutely right. And, and what came out was that the link workers, the people who are working in welfare services, they were seeing good, they were seeing benefits from this sort of whole, I, I wouldn't just use the word whole person because it was a whole person approach, but this um, multi-faceted multi approach where they might say to somebody, look, actually what you really need is some debt, some advice on debt. Or actually what you really need is someone to come and sort your house out because it's freezing cold. It's saying that actually health is so much more than just, um, than just one thing. That, there, that health has so many different determinants. And, and unless you look at those, you're, you're going to miss out a lot of people. Yeah. So this work led by Marie Poli identified yes. 123 outcomes. Yes. Um, and you're saying, you know, your kind of um, bottom line statement here is that we're only measuring 50% of potential actual outcomes of social prescribing. Yes. So what, what questions does this kind of open up now for research? I think what it opens up is that we need new approaches to research into social prescribing. And one of the things that I'm doing at the moment is I'm working with some researchers to uh, produce a, a, a bid, which will look at how do we you how do we um, bring stakeholders and um, service users together to, to 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 start to sort of problematize issues a little bit and say actually where is social prescribing not reaching or where could it reach better and particularly where could it reach those people like the lonely and isolated people who have multiple problems maybe they've got mental health problems they've also got substance abuse problems maybe they've just come out of prisons so there are multiple problems and how do we reach those so we need lots of new approaches uh, we need new approaches um, because actually if if what does happen is that we have another thousand link workers, which would be fantastic, we need to ensure that those link workers are actually getting to the people who need it and that it, they're not just getting to the, the middle class who can do it anyway. It needs to get to people who actually um, are most in need of that. So, Because although social programming may not have set out exactly with that in mind, one of the one of the rationales for social prescribing is to reduce multimorbidity and um, the, the, the sort of inequalities in health which are still around today. Thanks a lot for talking to me. Thank you. Thank you.